Hello, and welcome to Us Weirdos Have to Stick Together, a show where a couple of weirdos talk all about the L House. I'm Patch, and joining me is the most wanted criminal in the Boiling Isles, Quill. How are you today, Quill? Pretty good, but am I always the most wanted criminal now? <laughs> what? Well, I mean, if you want a different appellation, we can do that. I just thought it stuck. It, it flows uh, off the tongue nicely. Yeah, it does. Let's stick with it for the moment, I guess. But I thought that last time it was because I was having like a rough day at work that day. And that's why it wasn't fit. Well, it was initially, but you know, I, I like the way it flows, and I think it's a little bit better than just throwing over to you without an introduction. So that's fair. But yeah. So uh, what's your week been like since we last recorded? Uh, submitting applications for jobs trying to help out with finding another roommate to fill the third bedroom in our place. Yeah, you saw like the uh the not great situation they came in where like the one like one person we had interviewed was like, oh cool, they have my dead name. Oh boy, here we go. Yeah. Can I ignore that? Turns out nope. And the guy had a very not great reaction. So it's like, oh, even though you're a bi guy, you probably don't really care much about how tough it is for trans folk uh, when they hear stuff like that <laughs> yeah well, we we yeah. we pretty much settled on uh somebody else who we t- uh, spoke to last night for like close to an hour i'm glad to hear it is this a yeah. house or an apartment uh technically both it's like it's a house that's split uh into three units by floor oh weird. It's, it's weird because yeah it's like it's Kind of similar to the one I had before my current place, but that was like basically a small house split into four units of each of those being just like uh really tiny studio apartments. This is actually like, oh yeah, no, every floor is like like a proper like layout where it's like every floor is basically like the size of a multi-room apartment kind of deal. Hmm. Well, yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's strange because it's like, oh, it's on like insert address here but it's like it doesn't have like unit one two or three or anything it's just no it's just this and it's just i guess whenever it comes packages they might just i I, i'm not i don't know how the mail works there considering i'm (laughs) funnily enough bringing that up like uh the package of the jigushi pins and charms finally shipped way earlier than expected going to there which at least i was able to get a hold of them and be like hey can you send it there instead because i don't know based on your expectation of when it's going to ship out, if it would get to here on time before I leave. And they're like, yeah, we can do that. And then they shipped it out way sooner than expected. So <laughs> whatever. My roommate knows that it's on the way. So she'll accept it and make sure it's all getting intact. Nice. Yep. How's your week been, though? I'm doing all right. I haven't... I mean, it's the first week of class. Or, sorry, second week of class, which means the first real week of class. You know how it is? Yeah. Especially in college, because you only go to each class like once, maybe twice a week. Yeah, exactly. It's once a week meetings for all my classes. Hmm. And last week was just going over the syllabus, so basically a free week. Yeah. But yeah, just reading, a lot of reading. Each of these classes want 10 hours of work per week, and that's that's a lot. (laughs) I don't know how they expect you to be able to do five in a semester because (laughs) yeah yeah but no that's pretty much it i did finish up with mass effect andromeda it's a fun game it ends on a fairly significant open thing for the next game that's never going to happen oh yeah (laughs) 
But do you do you think they ever actually use Mass Effect Four or Dragon Age Four? Because all they oh, really yeah. showed about Absolutely. them are very vague trailers that are just like the threat that they're gonna actually do those. I have no doubt whatsoever. Mm. I feel like only one of those releases because I feel like it's not going to do nearly as well as they expect and then they'll just get shut down by EA. Just like all the places that, all the different companies that EA owns. Yeah. I mean, the possibility exists. I won't deny it, but these games are big enough and are resource intensive enough that I would be very surprised if they canceled them outright. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's probably that one that gets released and then probably doesn't do that well considering that their last two games flopped because andromeda was not well received and nobody gave a shit about anthem huh yes well that's because anthem was yeah um, let's say unfinished oh yeah i mean for two years they were saying they were gonna revitalize that game and then they was like yeah no you're not and then they made the game or not <laughs> well like from the get-go i got that game on opening day and it literally says on the box like the poll that's supposed to get you into it is that uh humanity on a world that was never finished by its creators struggles to survive <laughs> <laughs> oh well that uh nails this is the nail right on the, uh, the head right on the nail here yeah yeah exactly <laughs> trying to think of what that turn of phrase was yeah no i didn't realize that they sold it like that that's a bad idea yeah, that's the plot of the game. <laughs> and yeah, it was fun for what it was. I don't know. I liked being Space Iron Man, but... I mean, that's it... what everybody seemed like. They said they liked. they liked the flying, but then everything else was like, well, if you want to play a game like this, you should probably just play Destiny, right? Yeah, pretty much. Didn't exactly have what I would call a story, per se. Nah. But yeah, um, so I, I really like Andromeda. I have issues with the leveling system, but that's just because they built it in a stupid way. So. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I tried out the back when they had like a 10 hour demo of it or whatever, but I only played like through like the tutorial planet and then I mostly just played some of the multiplayer. But even with me, it's like, yeah, no, the multiplayer, it didn't seem as good as threes. I have never even tried the multiplayer because I like three so much. Yeah. But uh, I think there is one slight thing you're missing there. Mm-hmm. Because it's um, it's a Dragon Age Inquisition situation. So you could spend 60 hours in the Hinterlands if you wanted to, is what I'm uh, saying. In that game, too? Oh, uh-huh. oh boy. Meanwhile, these days, I'm like, oh, I see a game that says that it has, like, hundreds of hours of stuff, and I'm just like, oh, I'm checked out entirely. But if it's like, oh, this game is, like, 10 hours long, I'm like, sign me the fuck up. <laughs> so I like that Death's Door was only, like, 12 hours long. Apparently, there's, like, some, like, stuff you can do that, like, shows, like, uh, a little bit more of, like, a true ending sort of thing, but it's, like, pretty minor. Well, that's fair. Yeah. But like, yeah, for the most part, it's only like a 10 or 2 hour long game. It probably was shorter if like I didn't go and try to find all the health and magic upgrades and all the uh, upgrades for the four abilities you get. Well, listen, I'm with you there. I am 100% that person. Yeah. I have gotten every single Riddler trophy and every single oh, game. Oh so. boy, no, I could not do those. <laughs> 
Uh, that that includes the VR one too. I did all of them. I love the VR one. Uh, Batman Arkham VR. It was. Oh. Yeah. Fully forgot about that. Kind of a dumb first-person Batman investigation game. Mm. There is a mini game where you throw batarangs at stuff, but other than that, it's just scanning. It's not very fun. <laughs> yeah, no, I can't can't say I've ever actually used the VR headset just because I feel like I would get motion sickness from it, and also I'm not sure how it would really work with having glasses. That's fair. Yeah, I've seen. Also, they're fucking expensive. Yeah, you're not wrong. I got this back when I had a job and didn't pay rent. <laughs> But yeah, that's that's my week. Did you have anything else before we jump in? Uh, we do have a little bit of house cleaning here uh, to address uh, my fuck up. <laughs> okay. So uh, turns out last week we did actually have questions. I just did not check the Twitter frequently recently enough to see. Ah. Okay. Yeah. Well, do you want to save those for the same question segment at the end, or would you prefer to get into them now before uh, we start? Well. <clears throat> Here's the thing, we could split them up because one question kind of applies to the previous week's episodes and the other kind of applies to this week's episodes, also because we don't have questions for the end, so. Okay. I'd say if we split them, that would be easier. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. Yeah, uh, so both questions are from uh, our buddy Casey over in the Discord. Yeah, yeah, Casey sent us two questions on the Twitter. Uh, The one that's applicable to last week, uh, I... I don't know fully with the phrasing with what she's going for, but I think she's referring to abominations because she asked, what color would you make your weird goo monster? So I, <laughs> I don't know if she's referring to like the various other goo monsters that show up in this franchise, like Bellows and uh, John Luke, or if she's just referring to the abominations, but I think she would refer to abominations. Well, yeah, if you were going to make a weird goo monster, what color would it be? Uh... I mean, I don't really think there's, like, any other differently colored abominations as a thing. Like, I feel like they're all purple. But I guess if you got to choose, like, uh, I don't know, maybe, like, an orange or something? <laughs> I was thinking black, because people would think it was oil and try to set it on fire, but it's just a liquid, so that wouldn't help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, uh, Casey, uh, please let us know if we are misinterpreting your question there, but I think that's what you're going for. But we'll save yeah. the other one for later, because, again, it will tie in quite well to convention. Sounds good. And shall I jump into it? Might as well. Okay, so the two episodes we're covering today are Season 1, Episode 5, The Convention, and Season 1, Episode 6, Hootie's Moving Hassle, and I'm about to jump into The Convention. <laughs> So we open on the gang who are at Eda's human treasure stand, where Luce is reading one of the Azura novels out loud. Uh, Azura is fighting Hecate, who traditionally is the Greek goddess of magic. Uh, she seems to be a witch in this book, though, so probably better for fighting than a literal goddess. Uh, King thinks the book is very funny. He likes the illustrations because he can do better than them. He says he used to be the king of the artists. And as it turns out, he doesn't really care what he used to be the king of, as long as people give him stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Relatable. Ida <laughs> um, says that the Asura books are an insult to witches and driving off customers, but it turns out that the entire market is abandoned. There are no other stalls. Um, feels like if you were that opposed to Azura, you maybe should have said something about it. 
couple weeks ago when you let this kid live in your house, but... Um, so Gus and Willow show up at the stands to let him know that it's because of the Coven Convention, or Covention, which is a subtle pronunciation that I'm going to say wrong every single time, so get ready for that. Oh, I, also, see, I see tons of people do the same. You're okay. <laughs> also, I hope you like the word Coven, because we're going to get into it. <laughs> yeah, time. there's a lot of Coven talk in this episode. There sure will be. <laughs> uh, so Edith says that she never joined a coven because it might be a, quote, fun club for witches, but also you're giving up your independence to be part of a crooked system. So stick it to the man. Good job, Ida. Mm-hmm. She lets slip that the last time she went to a convention, there was a we involved, and Luce is curious, but she changes the subject. Uh, Luce wants to go, but Ida says no, so King starts reading from Azura, and I don't know if he's actually reading the book or just making it up, but if he's reading this book, then Ida's right, this is an insult to witches, and also everyone who speaks English. <laughs> I feel like Luce would read a book with that flowery, like, fake yoldy language kind of thing. If I may. You shall not shan't doeth no more harm, Azura calleth out. Hakate could only screech. Screecheth it did she, for the screeching did worseneth, is the quote we get. So yes, offensive to everyone. (laughs) Uh, Ida agrees to go to the convention if he will just stop reading, please. Um, The convention is... The convention center isn't actually named, but it does also host the Alchemist's Anonymous group, so... Clearly, it's not in high demand. Yeah, I just like the, uh, again, little joke in there that it's like, you know what they're going for there, obviously, with that pun. Naturally. But it's, like, it, it's, like the, it's like the kind of like thing you would expect to get in like an older like 90s kid movie, where it's like, here's the, the jokes for the adults, but also this joke is like, oh boy, this is actually something that's like real fucked up, actually. <laughs> I mean, that kind of happens in this show. What was it, like, last episode when King suggests that Luz killed Ida? Well, yeah, but that was just because he was goofing around because, like, you know, Ida just passed out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, okay, so Ida disguises herself with basically just a big hat that covers her hair. A really big hat that covers her hair. Yeah, ve- very bad disguise. <laughs> Because, of course, she is a wanted criminal, and not being in a coven is illegal, so that's an issue. Willow suggests she could join one. She's super not on board with this. And we learn that there are nine main covens and hundreds of smaller ones. The nine main ones are potions, abominations, plants, illusions, construction, beast-keeping, bards, healing, and divination. Which is... Uh, Technically oracle, not divination. Oh, yes, my mistake. No they don't actually say it in this episode, so I was working off memory. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll get that way later once we're like in, I think it's like episode 11 or 12. I think it is. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It just shows you the true. banners. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other ones I caught, and there are a few of these, and some of them are kind of redundant, but. I have uh, I have the whole list here if you want. Oh, just do you? Ones. Okay. So I just it's, it's, down the ones I saw, so. so there's one, yeah, there's, I have a list of all the ones that are named and also seen. Do you want me to read it off? Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, okay, I, I will leave off saying Coven because I'm just going to drive myself crazy if I keep repeating the same word please, every other. Please, please. Uh, so there, there is succulent, pottery, cat, 
stylists, flower, I don't know why it's different than plants, menders, artist, big dog, small cat, tiniest cat, grumpy, debate, history, cantrip, fashion, meditation, carnivorous plant, again, why is it different than plant, who knows, chefs, crying, pros, bakers, oculus, again, why is that different than oracle, reaction, and incidental. Thank you, Arala House uh, fan wiki huh. wiki uh, for that list. <laughs> I don't know if that's complete. Did you say meditation? I didn't. Uh, I did. Yes. Okay. I've, I've just got them in a different order, so my eyes were all over the place. <laughs> yeah. No. I just I just straight up fucking just copied that from the wiki entry. <laughs> but yeah. Um. I mean, it's not like cooking, chef's coven, and baking are any different, you know? <laughs> no, they're like te technically different branches of cooking. <laughs> Like you go when you go to the grocery store, you have the separate bakery aisle or section. Yeah, but my point is, there's just a lot of redundancy here. Oh yeah, especially I mean carnivorous Again. plants and succulents and flower and yeah. flowers. Yeah, when it's like there's also the main nine of the plant coven, so it's like it's, I don't know, I don't know why uh, I don't know why they have different little sub sections of it. Exactly. Also, yeah. Also, Menders is pretty close to construction. Yeah. Who knows? So, we never hear yeah. about any of these ever again. <laughs> <laughs> That's too bad. I would like to bring the tiniest cat coven back. Oh, who wouldn't? Tiniest cat coven for life. Uh, also, the uh, the guy who eats his eyes from the first episode is back. He's working at the Cinnabon. Yep, I, I did also notice him too. I think he's in he's in the next one as well, riding the like the egg subway thing. Yeah, he sure is. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, he did show up a few times. Uh, so some dude recognizes Ida, but she denies being the person he knows and pulls his hood over his head and runs because that's the best solution. Um, so the kids see the construction coven head, who I don't think has a name, just build a house by throwing materials into the air using his super strength. Because yeah, construction have... coven people use power glyphs to increase their power. Yeah, we've never actually gotten a name for this guy, but he is the head. Like you said, he does show up in, like alongside all the other heads way later in Season 2. Mm -hmm. So he puts one of these things on Tiny Nose, and she goes mad with destructive power. You know how it be. Mm -hmm. uh, Gus and his friends show off their illusions, and Luce is pretty thrilled by all this because she likes the idea of magical camaraderie. I guess she doesn't feel like Ida is uh, a peer, which is fair. But uh, when she gets excited about it, Ida points out that when you join a coven, all your other magic is sealed away. That's why she's the most powerful witch around, is because she never did that, so she can use all types of magic. Uh, there is a brief moment where King is waylaid by a fortune teller who gives him a free pen, telling him that it's his destiny. <laughs> and then there's a presentation by the Emperor's Coven. Uh... This, Ida doesn't really want to do it, but the dude from earlier kind of points her out to a guard, and so she has to go in to hide. And we get introduced to this 10th Super Coven. Uh, Principal Bump intros them and calls them the Jewel of the Coven System, which I guess if you are into... If you work for a government that sponsors conformatoriums, you probably love the fact that they're all wearing white cloaks and bird masks. There's just yeah, no difference. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. I did not even think about that part until now. 
But they can also do all forms of magic, so... Uh-oh, Ida might have issues with that. Uh, Bump says that only the best of the best can become a part of this coven, and points at Amity, who's in the audience, and she freaks out. She's very thrilled by this idea. <laughs> yeah, I, I I never actually read that as Bump, like, signaling out Amity. I think it's more like he's just, like, pointing out to the audience of, like, you could be the next one to join, and he just happens to be pointing towards Amity. But, I guess but that's it, right. yeah, but certainly it is, interprets it as if he were pointing at her. Yeah, but this is the first time she genuinely smiles and is very adorable. <laughs> um, yes, so then Bump introduces the leader of the Emperor's Coven, Lilith. Uh, Ida's pretty shocked by this. And the note I have written down here is that Lilith is kind of a cop. <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of a cop. <laughs> she really, really, really loves the idea of enforcing the Emperor's will. It seems like that's super cool, according to her. <laughs> and no one seems to have a problem with it. But uh, after this presentation, Luce bumps into Amity out in the convention center and introduces herself, because she didn't actually do that the other day when she was being an abomination. And Amity gets all huffy. She says that the convention, sorry, the convention is for witches only. And Luce says it's okay, because King and Ida are teaching her to be a witch. But, um... So the thing is, if the convention is for witches only, the Baker's Coven sure does not seem to care that King is a demon, because they are feeding him as many cupcakes as he wants. <laughs> well, they might be under the assumption that he's a bipedal demon who can actually cast magic. That's fair. That might be why they're trying to lure him in. Also, I mean, like, King King is definitely the sort of person who would listen through the, like, 30-minute spiel just to get the free, like, coffee and cookies at the end or whatever of the meeting. <laughs> he, he goes and gives blood not because it's a nice thing to do, but because he wants the free, like, eggs, like, sandwiches oh, afterwards. Yeah, no. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. <laughs> So uh, he's got a bunch of stuff all over him and drops his free cupcake, which Amity then... I say stuff, it's convention swag, you know. And uh, Amity steps on it and squishes it into the ground because she says Luce is giving witches a bad name. This is... I don't know. I feel like this is maybe the worst we see her, just the most actively aggressive. Yeah, a little bit. She'll do other stuff in the future that's arguably worse, but it's not as malicious, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Luce is very upset that Amity is bullying King, and uses... Well, she invokes Azura to give her enough confidence to challenge Amity to a witch's duel, which Amity accepts, and absolutely does not react to the Azura thing, despite the fact that we'll learn in two episodes that those are her favorite books. Yeah. I too had that as a note. I think it's just more be that she just dislikes Luce enough that she's just pretending to not even acknowledge that she branched in Azura. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Almost said Azula. Different character. Way different. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely nothing good or wit about Azula. Yeah. So the deal they make is that if Luce wins, Amity will apologize to King and admit that humans can be witches. If Amity wins, Luce has to admit that she's not a witch and stop training in magic forever. They're going to fight in an hour, and they'll seal the deal with a, quote, everlasting oath. 
Uh, meanwhile, Ida and Lilith bump into each other, and they kind of have a sister fight, because they are, in fact, sisters. Um, they're just really snarky and rude to each other. Ida tells Lilith's fans some embarrassing stories about when they were kids, and she peed herself. Um, Lilith initially thinks Ida's there to join Emperor's Coven, but Ida just laughs, and this is when things get really hissy-fitty. They are pretty upset with each other, and it kind of devolves into insisting that each is the better teacher because they both have students, future witches. It turns out uh, Amity is one of Lilith's students, apparently. <laughs> Don't know how that happened, but there you go. Yeah, unfortunately we never actually see the two of them in another episode together. It's a little disappointing. I, I really do want in the latter part of season to be whenever Lilith comes back that they actually meet each other. They're like, wow, we sure have changed since then, huh? <laughs> well, they just don't recognize each other anymore. It's okay. Yeah, I think that uh, they would at least recognize Lilith even with her wearing the uh, low battery shirt. <laughs> um, Unless so... she stops dyeing her hair like everybody wants her to and goes back yeah. to her natural hairstyle. That could be. But um, Lilith is kind of smug about this, and so she destroys all of the Ida's wanted posters, saying that she's free for the day because she basically wants to win this fight and be smug about it. And they go off. Ida tries to train Luce a little bit, but realizes that she hasn't really taught Luce any magic and that that's going to be a problem. It's okay, though, because she has an idea. And then we cut to an hour later, where Ida points out to Luz that she has buried magical traps all over the dueling ring that'll go off when Amity steps on them. Luz is pretty upset by this cheating, saying that even if she wins, she'll know in her heart she lost, and Ida's thrilled by this attitude. <laughs> um, so Amity summons just a truly huge abomination to attack Luz, which... I don't know anything about witches' duels, but this seems like a lot. Yeah, and... it's a little, it's a little overkill for just <laughs> supposedly like defeating Luce, because like this is like definitely at the level where it's like, yeah, this thing would just stop her and kill her. Yeah, absolutely. So it's stomping around the battlefield, and every time it steps on one of the traps, something big happens. It's a gout of flame or a sandstorm or whatever it is. But then we cut away as King shows up in the audience entirely covered in um, convention swag. He's got like three t-shirts on. Emity um, notices that Luce isn't actually casting anything and sort of runs over to confront her right as King falls between them into the arena and sets off a spike trap, which remembering that these traps were meant for a 14-year-old. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, it's absolutely intended to murder this child. A little bit. Uh, but the trap destroys all of King's clothes, more or less. Um, Lilith declares that she's the winner because Ida cheated, but then Ida spots one of the, uh, construction coven's power glyphs on the back of Amity's neck. She was juicing, basically. She was using magical steroids, and that's why her abomination was so powerful. Um, Ida starts gloating through the form of rhyme at Lilith, who is so upset by the idea of poetry that she attacks. 
and they start to fight. Um, we cut away where Luce and Amity are kind of in a corner of the convention center, uh, where no one can really see them. And Luce apologizes to Amity for embarrassing her in the fight. And Amity's, she doesn't really accept the apology. She's been working too hard. She's been trying too much to get into the Emperor's Coven, and Luce just keeps on showing up and embarrassing her. She got her in trouble with the principal, and now this. Personally, I don't know that the principal thing would be that big a deal, because she went to the principal and tattled that Willow cheated on her abomination test. Yeah, he was all, it, yeah, yeah, she did. I think she, it was more that she was referring to being sent to the principal's office at, in the beginning. Like, when she, like, overreacts during lunch. I think that's more what she says about getting in trouble. Well, sure, but when she gets sent to the principal's office is when she talks to him about Willow Chief. Yeah, but it was the first time she'd ever actually been, like, disciplined at school, technically speaking, by having been sent to the principal's office. So I think that's more what she's, like, just pissed about. Yeah, I guess that's fair. But, uh, yeah, so Luce admits that she's not a witch. And then she creates a light glyph and says she's training hard to be one. We cut back to the arena where Lilith and Ida have an actual magic fight. Like, a for real magic fight. This isn't yeah, just Ida people bonking each other with yeah, sticks. Yeah, Ida uses magic for, like, I guess, what, maybe the second time in the whole show she did in the first episode, but I don't think it's in. Yeah, definitely not on this level. Because Ida's fighting style is apparently to summon giant stone hooties. Like a lot of stone hooties. And then a bunch of normal sized hooties, and then another giant one. She can do any type of magic, but summoning hooties really seems to be her thing. <laughs> She's so I don't lady. know if she made him, or if this is just her styling her magic after him. She she's a very uh thematic uh spellcaster. She's like she's like uh my friend's uh like uh, Storm Sorcerer from our Dungeon of Dragons Fifth Edition campaign, where he always tried to always pick like thunder and lightning spells, <laughs> even when it like technically hampered him in the long term because he didn't have like fire. <laughs> <laughs> also, a lot uh, of those, like later lightning and thunder spells aren't all that great. Yeah, you're not wrong there. So uh, Lilith escapes from the hoodie onslaught and sort of manages to fling Ida away. And Ida calls out and admits that the curse is starting to get the better of her. She can't keep up anymore. She just, she can't handle these fights. And she only came here because she wanted to see her sister again. And this gives Lilith pause. She seems almost sorry for a moment until Ida throws a bag of hex mix at her face and runs. Um, Amity is... I think she's kind of impressed by Luce, even if she won't say it, the fact that she can cast magic at all. So she cancels the Everlasting Oath, which, real Everlasting there, absolutely, mm -hmm. and just kind of takes off, saying that, you know, humans can't normally do magic, but you're probably going to anyway, so whatever. Uh, King shows up because apparently his legs are just short enough that he's been trying to get to her this whole time. <laughs> And Luce offers to get him more stuff, but he says no because it slowed him down too much. He then gives her a tote bag, climbs in it, and makes her carry him. <laughs> uh, Ida tries to hurry her out, but Luce pauses and asks Ida if she'll ever be a true witch. And Ida says there's not really a way to define that. 
you have to be your own witch because there's no way to say who's a true witch and who isn't. And then we cut back to Lilith's dressing room where a mysterious red person, this is Kikimura, though she's not named yet. Yeah, her, she's listed Lilith in through a magic mirror. Sorry, she's listed in the credits. But yeah, she, her, she doesn't actually go named until episode 18, I think. Yeah. <laughs> so this is like a compact mirror, I guess, that they can use to talk to each other long distance, which it's nice to know that they have phones as well as yeah, parchments. They, they're, they're on the office Zoom call. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Kimura reminds Lilith of what the Emperor promised her ominously, and when she hears that, Lilith affirms she'll catch Ida, and then the episode ends. Yeah. So, so yeah, a lot of lore up there. I didn't yeah. say coming near as many times as I thought I was going to. No, I, I feel like that's because we nipped that in the bud real early. In terms of like the sound. <laughs> also, I think I'm actually forgetting. I think that list didn't mention the swag coven because I definitely remember one that piece of King's like swag does straight up say swag coven on it. <laughs> yeah, he's totally the guy that goes to PAX just to get the free shit. Oh, for real? Yeah. I've only been to South though, so I never got anything free for good or good for free. Hmm. Yeah, I kind of forget a lot of the stuff I used to get when I went to the one in Boston. Uh, then again, it's also been like a decade since I last moved gone, so I can't remember fully. Reasonable. Yeah, I think I did get beaten in the head once with like a token for like some shitty like MOBA or something. Oh, fun. <laughs> yeah, like some like display that people were just throwing them out and I just got it. Like had something hit me in the head. I'm like, oh, what's this? Oh, who cares? <laughs> I think I also got a free copy of Rift from there back when they were like, please, somebody play Rift. We swear to God, somebody play this shit. And nobody did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, I just have like a couple notes here of stuff that we haven't gotten to so far here. Uh, I know it's just like a me thing, but what covens are fire, ice, water, and lightning put under? Because like, the only people we see ever use that are the coven guards who are allowed to do it because they're an emperor's coven, wild witches like Ida, and you know teenagers that aren't committed to one like when Luce has the fire. Like, I mean, the ice spell and Amity has yeah. the fire spell. So it's like, the fuck are those classified under? <laughs> given these like nine main covens. Um. Hmm. I that, that I mean that might be point part of the reason of why the coven system exists because Bellos basically just wants to control the access to magic I guess right by making only him and his mooks do it. But yeah, no, it's uh, it's just it's just a funny thing because it's like oh yeah you think about like the, those spells that we have seen some people use especially Ida when it's like oh they would not be under any of these covens at all. Now this is gonna sound weird, but hear me out. I think it's the Beastkeeping Coven, because we've seen some creatures can just natively breathe fire or whatever. I think they're just imitating creatures' fire breath and not conjuring mm. fire. Oh, okay. I, I was thinking you were going more along the lines of, like, druids, <laughs> just because, you know, like, again, D&D 5th edition druids right. can use those kind of spells. No, I was just thinking about, because when we see the uh, Beastkeeping Coven leader later, the head of it, she uses magic to, like, imitate animals' abilities, so I think it's something like that causing the fire. Maybe. Who knows? 
I feel like we never get that answer. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we would just never get an answer because it's like, uh, maybe there's just like branches of the magic, and then again, they're just kept for basically the police. Of course, the actual like weapon magic is kept for the police. Naturally, naturally. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, uh, just a little note here. This is the first time we see King actually ever open his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> It's a funny thing. I noticed that the first time when I was watching this episode way back over a year ago, where I'm like, wait, he opened his mouth. Okay, I guess he does actually have to eat. But it's just funny because he never opens it otherwise. Well, he uses it to do his shout stuff later on. But yeah, like yeah. it's really only to eat and shout. Uh, what else do I have here? Uh, oh, another thing I did notice uh, by watching this again, Lilith and Ida's eyes actually reflect their spell circle colors, because Ida's spell circle is yellow and Lilith's is blue, and that matches right. their eye colors. Usually it's, like, more related to, like, just a color theme that the characters have, like how Amity has, like, the pink, or so that, like, more mirrors her track at school. Right. But it's, yeah, it's just, like, uh, I mean, we know that uh, Luce's is orange based on when she uses the burrow, the wand to cast the fire spell in Adventures in the Elements. So it doesn't always have like some correlation. So it's just a neat little detail where it's like, oh yeah, their spell circles are the same color as their eyes. <laughs> yep. Uh also how the fuck did Ida get managed to seek those magic traps into the arena at the time? <laughs> I feel like they would have like been having some guards around the arena <laughs> to make sure nothing was gonna happen. <laughs> Uh, also, it's just a little note. Uh, I know it's only been one of the episodes where they met, but this is also the first time Amity actually uses Luce's name because she never actually has used that before. Right. Like well, it's, it's I don't what... know that she knew Luce's name because Luce introduces herself in this one. So. Uh, also fair, but like for the most part, she was always just like being a little bit more derogatory towards Luce throughout the episode. But it's only when like she's really pissed and are like about to step on one of the magic traps when she says, "Why, Luce? What would happen if I take a step forward?" Yeah. It's just it's a, it's just a little detail where it's like, "Oh yeah, she actually isn't like fully <laughs> like one hundred percent pissed at Luce to the point where she's not bothering to use her name at all." <laughs> yeah, yeah, because uh, the uh, the first time they talk in this episode, she calls Luce um, Willow's abomination thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, kind of derogatory. <laughs> <laughs> Also, uh, just a little uh, tidbit here. Uh, the fight team between Lilith and Ida is actually the very first anything of Arrow House I ever saw, because I saw somebody posted on Twitter like after that episode had aired, and they were like, yo, this show is pretty dope. And I saw that, and I'm like, huh, oh, okay, I didn't know what that was. And it wasn't until when I was watching the show for the first time where I'm like, oh, right, it's that. Like that <laughs> scene, I forgot that that was from this. Yeah, that's that's really all I have. Everything else kind of came up already. Oh, yeah. uh, oh, wait, wait, no, one other thing. Uh, this is the first time we actually get Emperor Belza's name because Kikimura mentions him. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he hadn't been named yet in these other four episodes beforehand. Have we even heard about having an emperor before we were introduced to his coven? <laughs> um, I don't think so. I'm trying to remember based on the other four episodes now. It wouldn't have come up in the first episode just because it's like it's way more focused on just introducing the characters and the fourth third is the same with them being stuck in the house. So I don't think it would have come up in episode two or three. Again, yeah, yeah, two probably not because it was that, I guess, episode. So maybe in three, but I don't think so. Yeah, no, that's all yeah. I really have for that episode. Do you have anything? 
Uh, no, I've pretty much covered it. All right. Uh, I guess we'll just get right into Hootie's moving hassle then. Uh, so yeah, it, the episode opens with Ida playing a game of Hexes Hold'em with her talisman Albert, <laughs> basically just wasting time and playing a game she really likes and just kicks his ass. Really reads just like you giving like your younger sibling a deck of Pokemon cards just because you want to beat somebody. <laughs> I feel that it's uh, important to note Albert's adorable little dealer's visor. Oh, yeah, no, he's cute. I mean, she even, like, says, like, in your adorable little face when she beats him. <laughs> yeah, but uh, basically, like, she's gloating, like, uh, Luce and uh, King point out that her curse is flaring up again with some feathers popping up on her arms. They go through Ida's elixir stock, trying to find any that's still full, but she's completely drained out. So they instead have to lure Ida to the market by stealing her cards just to lure her there because she just wants to play more Hexus Hold'em, even with knowing the curse is coming up. But yeah, uh, interesting to note, when they get to the potion stand run by Morton, the potion sign reads uh, potions two snails, ethers five snails, and something blanked out for ten snails. So I think like we get a gist of like how much her elixir usually costs. Because like... <laughs> Because, I mean, she does try to offer 10 snails for it later on to Tibbles, but he price gouges her by making that be a 1,000. Yeah. But I, I think it's just like, yeah, it's like it's not too expensive, but it's also probably just like not as high in demand, so it's a little bit more, like, less easy to get access to. But also we don't have any idea of how much 10 snails is in contrast to, like, human dollars, so. Yeah, especially, say... I mean, if she drinks one of those every single day, you can't say they're not in demand. Yeah, yeah, it is that. That's also okay, because it's like, yeah, she has to basically spend, like, 70 snails a week, pretty much. So it's like, that probably just adds up, because it's a lot. <laughs> uh, yep, uh, while waiting for Rita to talk to Morden, Luce and King, just people watch and see a group of demon hunters walk by with their latest catch, which is like a big worm thing. Uh, when Morton finally opens up the stall, he he searches around, but he says he's fully out of the elixir too. Uh, while he's doing that, Luz sees Willow and Gus in the distance, so she walks over to them, only to find out that they're bummed out because Amity and her mean girl posse are thinking about having a midnight conjuring, which they did not invite Willow to. They don't mention that they didn't invite Gus or not, but I assume no, because it's like it's a girls' group and they're teenagers, so of course they would be like, no, wow, kind of deal. Yeah, Flag uh, is already a pretty big sleepover. Yeah. Pretty much. Uh, they also note that neither Willow nor Gus have gotten to actually do a conjuring, because you need at least three people. So, of course, like, Luce <laughs> gets excited about that prospect. But of note here is when the Mean Girls walk over to gloat to them, more, more Basha gloating, Amity does tell Basha to leave Willow alone. Even if she does take the time to mention that Willow lacks talent. But it's like, it still like kind of reads as a little bit of like, she's trying to defuse the situation by just moving the fuck on and not focusing mm -hmm. on bullying Willow as much. Obviously, foreshadowing for later uh, events that we find out in this episode. Right. But yeah, but uh, Luce easily cheers them up by saying that they can have a Moonlight Conjuring because they're three people. And while this is going on, Ida finds out from Morton that she could seek out a person called Grimhammer at the night market later that night. She basically just tells Luce to stay at the house since she needs to go out that night while taking King along to help her scout for pickpockets and also help commit pickpocketing. And, uh, yeah, she doesn't want Luce to have, like, anybody over just because she's like, nope, watch the house and watch who eat. She lies to Gus and Willow about getting permission. Not a great thing to do after you've only known either for, like, two weeks or so at this point, Luce. 
stop <laughs> no <laughs> not being great uh <laughs> but it's also because it's a once a year event and she doesn't want to disappoint them so of course she gives him the peer pressure also not a great thing Later that night, Ida says Luz is in charge of the house and Hootie. Hootie retorts saying that he doesn't need a person to watch him. He's a big boy house. Which we get a little bit of a hint because in way later on, like Amity kind of implies that Hootie might be thousands of years old because she says that how demons get that way after so long. So they're like <laughs> get a bit like ridiculous. So Hootie might be ancient. He might not be. Who knows? He does mention his mom at one point. I don't remember when, but he does mention the mom. But whatever. Yeah, Ida says, uh, you know, if Luz uh, screws about, she will never earn Ida's trust again. Which, of course, immediately we've been drawing in like 40 seconds when she just lets Gus Willow in. <laughs> uh, yeah, they dispel an illusion of being bushes near the house and enter after just fully ignoring Hootie's story about a sparrow that once flew into the shelf, which just happened because he calls up the sparrow. Uh, Lou shows them around the house for a bit, and after doing that, Willow explains that they should pick a sentimental object to animate with the moonlight conjuring. But Gus wins out when he just does puppy dog eyes to try to make a buff action figure win out. I do not like this buff action figure because one of its voice lines is simply saying a man never takes accountability for his actions and it's like, that's that's fucked. <laughs> Please no. But he's half buff and half bob. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm pretty sure that this is one of the uh, toys that King animates later with like uh, Ida's like, food elixir thing when she tries to get the vegetables to jump into the pot <laughs> and then Hootie destroys. So I, I, think it, I think buff bob is one of them. <laughs> uh yeah uh they sit around the figurine hold hands and i actually have the the chant here written down they say moonlight we call we sing moonlight take this chance moonlight come tie the string moonlight start the dance very funny that like they didn't bother to tell lose at the time because when it just goes around the circle at that last verse it's just Luz saying and i don't know the words yeah <laughs> <laughs> pretty funny just like the little jokes like that that happen in the show are just the best because it's just like yeah no loose loose would not have actually thought about this ahead of time to ask them fully and they would just assume she knows even though they know she's a human so it's just <laughs> very funny when she just lampshades it uh but yeah the lights in the house go out from the magic and they think that they brought the doll to life but instead the entire house shakes because they instead animated hootie who grows a pair of large chicken legs to walk around <laughs> Which I have a note here saying that uh, Hootie's house design with that is a reference to the walking house of Baba Gaga. And obviously the episode title is a reference to Howl's moving ha uh, castle, obviously. Right. Yep. Uh, they can't get Hootie to make commands because he basically says like, oh, yeah, he, I forget the words he used, but it's like basically he implies that they need to all hold hands again. The whole way that they find the life via the moon magic. But yeah, they learned this because they both grab hold of Gus as he's about to fall off, and Luce and Willow hold hands as well to try to like help stabilize him, I guess, and mm -hmm. get Hootie to stop before he just walks off a cliff. Uh, Luce again gives off the pure, gives again the ah, gives in again. Why am I saying it's weird? She once again <laughs> gives them the pure pressure because they want to go and sh like take the house for a ride when she's like, we should stay put because. This is the best thing to do and the responsible thing to do, but she again gives in. Eventually, they go and they want to like show off to Amity's group because they spot Fasha, who was again obviously uh, making fun of Willow earlier. They <laughs> scare her by just raising the house up over a bit of a hill so she just sees a giant monster house walking around. 
She does mention uh, that she's TP'd every house in the neighborhood, so... Yeah! What a fun neighbor. Yeah, but also we know Vasya gets away with a lot because he is the grudgy captain. <laughs> yeah. But as they go along, uh, we see the demon hunter leader uh, see the house and grumbles, and he and his group pursue them. We're kind of like doing like a bit of like a like silhouetted like ninja run across the trees a little bit. That's <laughs> as I interpreted it, but obviously they're not. But yeah, uh, we then just cut to Eden King at the night market looking for Grimhammer. After they ask around a bit, they find his stand operated by a tiny pig demon person called. I'm hoping I'm saying this right. Tiblet Tibli Grimhammer the Third, aka Tibbles. We never actually have him really like say his full name again, really. Uh, Tibble, yeah, thank goodness. Yeah, I, I want to say this. I I don't. I didn't look up his voice actor, but I think he's actually voiced by somebody pretty prominent. I forget. I don't know, maybe I'll look it up later. But yeah, Tibbles does carry the elixir, but he tries to charge a thousand for it instead of the offered ten snails. So Ida instead decides to gamble with him for it to get Hexes hold him. To offer something of hers if he wins, and the elixir she wins. We go back to the kids with Foodie stomping around Bonesboro, which I feel like with a house moving around Bonesboro, the Emperor's coming would probably show up to stop that, but they just <laughs> don't. The police, of course, not bothering to actually prevent crimes being happening. They just sit around and try to act like they'll solve them later, I guess, just like in real life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they they get to the gates of Blight Manor, but are lashed to the ground by giant ballista lines by the the demon hunters, and are taken captive as Hootie is loaded onto a cart because they want to like chop him up to sell his exotic meat, or Hootie claims that he's an exotic that he's an acquired taste. <laughs> uh, Willow gets bummed out again as they're like taken hostage and tied up inside the house because you know she's like, oh, I screwed up again. I'm just Willow. I can't do anything right. Uh, after they stop briefly, the leader of the Demon Hunters tells a follower named Tom to throw the kids off a cliff, which the follower has always dreamed of, admitting that he was a strange child. <laughs> uh, as they fall, they get stuck on a branch, and Willow apologizes for pressuring loose into dropping a house around on Joyride, and then admits that she and Amity used to be friends, but stopped being so when Amity developed her magic powers and Willow didn't at the same time. This will be a very important topic for an entire episode later on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, Luz gives her a pep talk about how Willow managed to bring a house to life, which proves she's a strong witch. So Willow smiles, manages to get her hand free to grab the root to just use her magic to get them back off, off the cliff, to just kick the shit out of the demon hunters and take Foodie back. Uh, technically, before that, we cut back to Ida having just had her ass handed to her in Hexus Holden. <laughs> Pity we don't actually see the game, but it's at least a little bit cathartic concerning how Ida was acting about it. Sybils uh, claims King is his prize to model his line of baby clothes, which is also kind of fucked up. You're not kidding. <laughs> yeah, it's like King is a living being, just get a little, uh, like, model, I guess, like a mannequin. Yeah, I mean, the most basic argument would be that Ida doesn't own him, but she doesn't, like, resist that at all, so I guess she does. Well, she does kind of resist because she does try to cast a spell to, like, stop Tibbles, but the curse flares up and she can't cast magic. Right, but she never flat out says that King doesn't belong to her. She just tries to yeah. steal him back. True, but also, as she will admit in Season 2, Episode 3, she does originally think of King as a pet. <laughs> It's like, yeah, your pets aren't really, like, owned items or anything either, but, yeah. She didn't specify no king, so I guess that makes it all right, but, you know, Tib Tibbles uh, 
changed her up with magic and says he knew who she was the whole time because again Ida and disguises are shit <laughs> <laughs> Ida, if you have access to all forms of magic maybe use illusions on yourself to cast disguise self or alter self I'm just saying I wonder yeah. if she does I mean we'll learn later that her bard magic doesn't work the way it's supposed to so maybe her illusions are bad also true but at this at the current point in time she does have her magic it's just also as we'll see way later on it's when she uses too much of it that's when she strains herself and has the curse flare up i see like like maybe she can't do it as much now just because the curse is starting to take effect but it's like slow moving compared to like usual yeah that makes sense maybe also i mean it could also just be either doesn't give a fuck because she's a high power like a very powerful person and she doesn't knows that most people don't fuck with her anyway <laughs> who knows yeah we go back to the kids taking the house back to its location uh yeah after you know just drawing like absolutely fucking up the demon hunters and just fully having like house hoodie step on the leader <laughs> i don't think the leader ever gets named i, I know that we see them again once more episode 10 i think but we don't think we ever see them pass there and i don't think he gets named but yeah it doesn't matter they certainly didn't have them in this episode i can say that much yeah yeah like after they get back like Ida is trying to persuade king to help her escape while he's just in like a little sailor suit <laughs> she does this but she convinces him by claiming that she'll fully done effects is holding by eating one of her cards so king decides to help her out and try to steal the elixir but gets caught by tibbles but of course, the house just stomps on Tibbles of Sand at that right moment, where he's like gloating that nothing can stop him from handing her over to the Emperor's Coven. Uh, King uses that distraction of the stand being destroyed to toss the elixir to Ida's mouth, so she just is able to use magic, gets out of her chains, and they just fucking walk off and leave Tibbles to swear his revenge. <laughs> the house finally gets back to its home, and Hootie comes out of the moon magic trance, but. Somehow, Ida and King are right behind the door inside. I don't know how they got in there. <laughs> Obviously, it's for dramatic effect, but I don't know how they managed to sneak inside the house when Hootie opened the door. I don't know. Maybe they went through a back entrance or something, and the kids didn't notice. Whatever. But yeah, they're there. Ida obviously knows that they were full of shit because she noticed her house walking around the stamp on the stall. Like, if Willowly's deflects to take the blame by telling, like, here that she actually, like, persuaded Boos to let them in the house and do the conjuring. Trying to just take the heat off for her, but they all get punishment to clean the house. Admittedly, Ida is a little bit too impressed with their conjuring, saying that it takes strong magic to do that. But we end with cutting to Avani and the Mean Girls, having failed in their conjuring and just fucking about on their magic phones to look at Pentagram, where they just see tons of posts about the other group having driven Hoovy around. <laughs> and acting shocked at that. But noticeably, before Amity comes in to check the Pentagram post, she is sitting away from the rest of the group, looking gloomily out the window. Again, foreshadowing lots of stuff with Amity. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure does. Well, I mean, also, it's it's unavoidable. Gay people just can't help sitting on broad windowsills <laughs> and staring mournfully. Uh, can't, can't say I've ever done that yet, but who knows? Give it yeah, time. You just need to find the right windowsill. Yeah. But yeah, uh, that's basically all that for that episode. Uh, I have a few notes for this one, not as much. Uh, one thing I did like is I wrote down Gus's bucket list that he says he has because he had Moonlight Conjuring on there. Mm-hmm. His other entries are Grow Haunted Beard, Lose My Baby Fangs, which confirms that 
most witches do have actual fangs, therefore all the fan art I see people draw of Amity with fangs is real. Confirmed. <laughs> Canon. Can't say otherwise. Uh, he wants to finish digging a tunnel that he has under Hexside. Own a human bucket, which he also, I guess, crosses off because there's a bucket just in the Owl House that he grabbed. Uh, be the surprise in a giant hollow cake. A little bit of allusion to what King does in the season one finale. <laughs> and the most weird one on there is get my squamping permit. I looked up what squamping is. It's kind of a sex thing, so I don't know if they also snuck a sex thing in Owl House. <laughs> um, it could be they were just making up a nonsense word and didn't Maybe, realize. but also happened to tie in with something from Urban Dictionary, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh... Yeah, other things I have here, uh, Gus correcting Willow by insisting the doll is a figurine and not a doll is absolutely what every teenage boy does. When we all, like, you know, fucking just embrace it, Gus. Just enjoy having plushies and stuff. Just call them plushies. <laughs> um, sorry, I looked up squamping, and what I'm finding, not from Urban Dictionary, is that it's a word that means camping illegally, so that's not a thing you could get a permit for anyway. Okay. <laughs> well, again, who who can say which one they were aiming for? Also, they might have just made up a word. <laughs> yeah, for real. realize it was something. But yeah, uh, this is also just another instance where we see you get uh, more alternate magic casting than actually drawing a spell circle. They're at least <laughs> like sitting in a circle around the doll to light some candles and chant and stuff. But it's just like, I mean, obviously they're like channeling the moon magic, so it's like maybe this is a little bit different because it also does need like an incantation said. So, I'm a little curious why it didn't work for them. I mean, yeah, because like incantation, it should just. Yeah, it's it's also a little weird that it's like it. Uh, I guess just because animating Hootie is weird. I guess is what I'm aiming for because we do find out way later that Hootie is a demon. He's <laughs> not an object, even though he is attached to an object and like slightly is an object. So <laughs> I don't know why it took him rather than the doll that was in the middle of the circle. But yeah, yeah who, who can really say? Because, like, it, again, maybe this is like early on, they were like, Hootie is a separate entity than the house. And then they decided to make the joke of Hootie can rip himself from the door and there's just organs in the door. Well, I don't, because, like, in this episode, when Luce is showing the other two around, the house is, the inside, the walls are literally breathing. Yeah. I can't see that. the house not being him at this point. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's just an interesting thing because it's like, yeah, they come up with like some alternate ways of guessing some magic, but it's always like situational things and they never really come up again. Mm -hmm. uh, I think this is also our first glimpse of the rune in the demon realm, which kind of looks like it has like a skull face on it a bit. I don't remember if we've seen it before this, but I definitely remember it being like a big thing in this one just because they're looking at the moon a lot in terms of like being able to get the house back before the moon sets and the moon magic wears yeah. off. Uh, it's also the first time we see those, like, raven phone things. We never get a name for these, but they're clearly just cell phones <laughs> that <laughs> just have, like, just fluttered around and can fly off when you don't need them anymore. Uh, let's see. I also want, made a note here of when Tibbles is talking about, like, the stuff he has, he says he has some stuff from the Hinterlands and other stuff from the Winterlands. I guess the Winterlands are probably like snowy areas like the knee that we go to soon. But I wanna know where the Hurtlands and the Boiling Owls are. I'm not I'm not sure <laughs> where that might be. Oh, uh, you better use all the ocularums to collect the shards. Oh boy. 
I almost did that before I was like, I have to stop. Because I looked up what the reward was, and it's like, I crafted something better than this like 30 hours ago. I do not need this shit. This is just for a stupid like trophy. Fuck this. I'm going to stop. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, the, the reward is resistances. If you collect all the shards, you become 20% resistant to every energy type. Uh, yeah, because by that point in the game, you totally need that. <laughs> But yeah, uh, I just have two other things here about the episode. Uh, they're all they're both about Tibbles. One is I like the uh, little bit more commentary that they the showrunners do by having Tibbles say capitalism, where everyone wins except you. <laughs> so it's like yeah, just more little social commentary by them. <laughs> just more little jokes from them. Uh, the only thing I have here about him, did you ever get the feeling that they intended for Tibbles to come back after this episode and really small problems? Uh, really, if I'm honest? I, like, when I got to really small problems, I had literally forgotten who he was. I couldn't figure out why he wanted revenge. So Yeah, he just wants revenge because he still got destroyed and they like technically stole the elector from him. But yeah, no, I, for some reason after the episode, I was like, oh, I feel like they're setting it up that Tibbles will come back a third time, but that's it. But I don't think we're ever going to see him again just because they got the short show run overall. Yeah, that would so, be a weird thing to dedicate another episode to. Yeah, admittedly. But, who knows. But even then, like, even when he's in the next episode, it's really just more about King being a little bit of a selfish little shit with wanting to have Luce's attention and nobody else's. Yeah. <laughs> who knows. Yeah, no, that's all I got in the episode. Do you have anything? Uh, no, I think that just about covers it. It was, uh, it was a lot lighter episode than usual. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I feel like... Pretty much, like, a lot of the even-numbered episodes happened so far. Like, <laughs> like it le last week, at least, like, I had a lot to talk about with the intruder, but, it, yeah, unfortunately, next week is going to be the same, because, oh boy, the episode I cover is... <laughs> not the one on the bus again, but it's Once Upon a Swap, where fucking nothing happens. <laughs> it's a body swap episode, what do you expect? I'm probably going to do episode 9 as well, just to make up for it. But, yeah, no, I have uh, a decent amount of trivia here as well for these episodes. Mostly about the voice actors, because we have some pretty prolific people that we're introduced to in these episodes. Oh, yeah? Yep. So, uh, Lilith's voice actress is Sissy Jones. She has played Delilah in Firewatch, Katya in Season 1 of Telltale's The Walking Dead, uh, like Kenny's wife, if you remember her. Uh, I never played those games, so I do not. Huh. Okay, yeah, she's like the team mom. I think she's like a vet in that, uh, beforehand, I think. But yeah. She's kind of like a side character. Uh, she also played Chloe's mom, Joyce, in Life is Strange, if you played that. No, I missed that as well. Okay, Chloe's the uh, the blue-haired girl. Yeah, she plays Joyce, her mom. Uh, I do a lot of point-and-click adventure games. <laughs> that's fair. Uh, she also apparently voices Sloane in Destiny 2. It's been a while since I bothered with Destiny 2, because I just stopped caring a shit. But right. yeah, I think, I think she's like the leader that runs that like camp that you go to early on. After, like, the city falls. I okay. think that's her. But yeah. Uh, just a little note I have here about her. We never actually find out the name of Lilith's Palisman, which is interesting. Her, her little raven Palisman has never been named. Like, we, we find out her mom's Palisman's name, but not her own. This is weird. Uh, but yeah, uh, going on. Uh, Kiki Morris VA. I hope I'm pronouncing her name correctly. Uh, Mila Lee? Mela? M-E-L-A. Uh, she was Tiki in Fire Emblem Awakening, and every instance of Fire Emblem where she's shown up again, like Heroes, Warriors, and Smash. 
Uh, she was also Rei Kurosaki in Mob Psycho 100, and is also the voice of Rachel Alucard in the Blue franchise, and Zeta in Grand Blue Fantasy Versus. Yeah, like that's a, a lot, lot of places yep. that I do not know. <laughs> yeah, I, I I played like the first Blue. I wasn't very good. I like, only play like Noelle, the girl with the two guns. But yeah, like when I realized that she voiced uh, Rachel Alucard, I'm like, oh okay, yeah, I I can hear it because like I remember her voice a little bit. She's like a little like I don't want to say Lolita vampire girl, but she's kind of a Lolita vampire girl. <laughs> what yeah, I'm learning from this recap is that I don't play enough video games. <laughs> <laughs> Fair. Uh, yeah, I have more here. Um, Eden Regal voices both Basha and Amelia. Amelia being the green-haired girl that hangs around Basha, who's <laughs> in the plan coming with uh, with Willow. Not only is she the vo- show's voice director, but she also voices, and this is a long list, Maggie and Amphibia, the like the witch frog girl who uses spells and stuff. <laughs> Estelle in Tales of Vesperia, which when I saw that, I was like, oh yeah, right, that is Estelle. Okay, yeah, because I played Vesperia a lot back in the 360. She's also the voice of Devola and Popola in the Nier franchise. If you played those, I think you, nope. you I think you mentioned you played. Didn't you mention you played Automata, or was that somebody else? No, that must have been somebody else. Uh, I, I remember seeing people I talk about it in the Discord the recently. Game. <laughs> uh, uh, she also voices Adult Cherry Birkin in various Resident Evil games, like around the time of like Resident Evil Six, because like <laughs> she's a kid when she's first introduced in Resident Evil Two. She is also the voice of Marie in Persona 4 Golden and Hifumi Togo in Persona 5. She's like the uh, the chess uh, social link lady that you can you know make a social link with. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one entirely for me. She's the voice of the handler in Monster Hunter World, the like the assistant that like helps you out with hunts and stuff. She's also the current voice of Coco in the Crash Bandicoot games. Apparently, somebody else originally voiced Coco and they replaced her. Mm-hmm. And she's also the brother of Sam Regal, who's on Critical Role, which is just okay, like that's a, little... a name I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Sam Regal being the little Chaos Gremlin person on there. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's all for her. Uh, technically, we don't really get much of Scara in these episode in episode six. I think she has like one brief voice line, but her voice actress Kimberly Darla Brooks is best known as Jasper in Steven Universe. Which is weird, because I don't remember Scarra really sounding much like Jasper. <laughs> yeah, apparently she also voices like some other miscellaneous gems. Like she voices all the roses in that one episode of Steam Universe Future. Like the ones that like just hang around that make it really awkward when uh, Steven's dad, Greg, just runs the fuck off. And he's like, nope, I'm not going to have dinner with people that look just like my dead wife. Goodbye. <laughs> Uh, she's also the voice of Ashley Williams in the Mass Effect trilogy, which I also did not fucking get. <laughs> did not notice that one. Yeah, no, but that's the first character I've known that you said. So. <laughs> Wait, have you never watched TV Universe? No, I'm a failure as a gay. Dang. <laughs> we might have to get to that. <laughs> that's only gonna be a long one, though, if we do that. Uh, this one you'll know. She voiced Barbara Gordon in the Batman Arkham games. Hey, there, there it is. There you go. And she's also the voice of Dawn in Pokemon Masters, that really shitty uh, gacha game that they have on phones. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard yeah. of that. And I've heard people sometimes like yep. it. And also, this one's pretty problematic, but she was also Daisy Fitzroy in Bioshock Infinite. Oh, Bioshock Infinite. Ooh, yeah. yeah, the one black character who's there just to die to progress the story of a white girl. Mm-hmm. Cool. 
Oh wait, no, I, I, I because she betrayed them first. Uh, yeah, but they're in the alternate timeline, so who knows if she actually had betrayed them or a different version of them. But whatever. Spoilers for Bass, I give them all things on this fucking Owl House podcast. Yeah, really. <laughs> yeah. But uh, one more voice actor. This one's a little bit less prolific, but uh, Morton's voice actor, Shannon McCain. This one's entirely for me, I think. He was the voice of Ash in Fire Emblem Three Houses. And also plays Ash in uh, Fire Emblem Heroes as well. He's also That's the voice for of you, all right. <laughs> yep, he's also the voice of Julian in Fire Emblem Heroes, just because a lot of those older games didn't have voice acting, so they needed new people. Mm-hmm. And then I also have here that he voices—I think I'm pronouncing this right—but Solaceed in Seven Deadly Sins: Revival of the Commandments. I've never watched any Seven Deadly Sins. I assume this is like a spinoff of it or something. Sounds and, like it. That's yeah, that Netflix I mean, anime, right? Uh, yeah, I believe. I don't know if Revival of the Commandments is on Netflix, but I assume so because I always see Seven Deadly Sins recommended on Netflix. And he's also the voices of Creed, Michael, and Johnny and Eden Zero, which I also don't know what that is. Really, yeah, I put him on here. I really, I put him on here just because I recognize him as the voice of Ash, <laughs> <laughs> which I am like the one person that likes Ash in that game. Apparently, <laughs> I made him my dancer when I played through the first time on the Golden Deer route. <laughs> he's a good boy. Uh, other little things I have here just. Little quick notes. Obviously, Tiny Nose's energy aura when she has the power glyph put on her is a reference to Dragon Ball because it's just her charging up her energy or whatever. Uh, in that same episode, we actually see Mythalmiel ahead of his actually introduction in episode nine. I don't know if you caught that, but he's the kid that uses magic to blow his head up when like Bump is doing the speech initially. I thought that might be him, but I didn't want to. Call yeah, him yeah, no, it, it it is him actually. Yeah, he. I don't think he's in the credits named or anything, but. Actually, he might be, I forget. But yeah, he's not by properly introduced till episode 9, but that is totally him. Uh, one other thing I note here, when either, when uh, Luz holds up the like the quiz magazine for like what coven you're in, Ida shoots it, and she clearly shoots the abomination symbol, not the potion symbol. <laughs> I'm just going to point that out, a little error on their part, but also that foreshadows Luz's beginning track of being put in potions. But, uh... Other things here, obvious bad reference, but the Everlasting Oath is clearly the Unbreakable Vow. It's unavoidable to get around that, unfortunately. Yeah, but it's not... Like, you can just break it, though. True, you can actually retract it, as opposed to the Unbreakable Vow being either you do this or you die, I guess. But also, they're teenagers, they really can't make it be that if you break it, you die, because they're 14. (laughs) Uh, And yeah, uh, just two other little things I have note here. Uh, Ida quotes Monty Python in the Holy Grail when she says she could bite Tibbles' ankles when she's chained up. You know, like when the Black Knight has all his arms and limbs cut off. Right. And also, apparently, I didn't notice it, but it's in the trivia where Guts' sword from Resort can be seen for sale on the night market. Uh, no, I missed that entirely, so. Yeah, no, I don't know where that is, but apparently it's in there. <laughs> yep. Uh... Basically, just if we want to go into Lucy's crimes here, just real quick, it's actually pretty short. She doesn't really have any in episode 5 unless declaring a witch's duel is a crime. I don't think so, even though a lot of people act shocked. I think it's more just because they see a human wanting to declare a witch's duel than anything. (laughs) But in episode 6, she definitely does do a lot of property damage with Hootie. Mostly by destroying Tibble of Stand, but definitely does a lot of shit with it. Including just terrorizing people by having them freak out about a house walking around. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think we could call that Grand Theft. She stole a house. 
technically, I guess, if you can call, uh, I mean, Grand Theft, really, I guess, Grand Theft House Demon. <laughs> yeah, no, the only other things I got left here are just the usual artist plug and the other question if you want to just do those. Yeah, absolutely. Which would you like to do first? Uh, let's address the other question just because it, like I said, relates to episode five. Yeah, sure thing. Uh, also from Casey, she asks, what Hexide track would you begrudgingly join if you had to pick just one? Huh. I can go first. Yeah, yeah, I, go I can go first if you want to have a moment. Uh, yeah. I've actually entertained this a little bit just in terms of like thinking like future like role-playing characters because I actually had the idea of like a character that would be like Oracle-related that has like uh, like a sword or something like that, that would they would basically use their oracle magic to help like give themselves a bit of clairvoyance, help themselves in like fights. Huh. So like, and like uh, there was that uh, the Owl House like Witsona like uh, creator for like Twitter things. What are those things called? The the profile pics, the percrews. Yeah, oh, those Pickers. things. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, where somebody did that, and when I did one of those myself, I definitely did put myself in the oracle track stuff. So I guess I would go with that. The other one I thought of is I actually kind of like the construction coven, mostly because it just reminds me a lot like earthbending, which <laughs> I feel like it's still like one of like my favorite forms of bending in Avatar, because earthbenders <laughs> are just yeah, earthbending is just fun. I feel like part of that is just because Toph is rad and I like Toph a lot, but yeah. yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, that's it's definitely a rough choice because they're just very none of them are particularly. Fun magic, if that makes sense. They're all like jobs. Yeah, I I feel like that's intentional on the behalf of like the show creators slash Bellos in terms of like trying to make everybody follow his own line of thinking and magic. I guess if I was gonna take one, it would probably be Bard Magic because I do play like five instruments, so that would help. Oh yeah, and it seems at least a little versatile, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's it's no good. I don't like choosing. <laughs> Thank you, Casey, but I don't like this. <laughs> it's it's definitely limiting when you only have your choice of one and not you can be like pick two. Yeah, you're not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yep. If there are any other questions in the future, you can send those to us on Twitter at usweirdoscast and at usweirdoscast at gmail.com. So yep. just let us know if you have anything you would like us to discuss. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I double check. We don't have anything for this week, because this time I actually bothered to have the fucking Twitter open at the same time <laughs> when you ask. <laughs> I nipped that in the bud. Hey, it worked out. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, the only other thing I got here, uh, the usual artist plug. Uh, again, kind of like uh, actually, I guess the opposite of the last two weeks where I kind of plugged like well-known people like Maring Mark and Jiguchi. I am going to plug the artists that I post a lot in our little cartoon chat frequently. Uh, I'm going to plug S this week. Uh, I know that S has said what her actual name is, but she prefers to go by S, so I'm going to be respectful of that. Uh, she is at S underscore the gardener on Twitter. I forget what her Instagram is. I think it's the same. Uh, yeah, she's only been on Twitter since August, and is already at 9,000, uh, like, 9.4 uh, thousand followers, so, like, pretty good for being only around since, like, the end of, like, season 2A, basically. Yeah. She, she just makes a lot of really cheesy, cutie, loony comics. She's, like, 
she's vietnamese so like english is not her native language so like she gets really like self-conscious about like spelling errors and whatnot and punctuation mistakes but everybody whenever she has those moments like a lot of her followers just like reply to her being like no it's good it's cute you're okay don't worry about it the fact that you're like trying even if it's not your native language is still pretty commendable and she gets embarrassed about that it's pretty cute <laughs> but uh yeah no she's she's mostly responsible for the jock amity and cheerleader loose trend that i see happen a lot like she'll have amity in her like old like grudge uniform with like her hair tied up and having a bit of like an undercut and everything while Luce is just like gushing over her like awesome girlfriend jock. It's just very cute. Uh yeah, she she basically like she's like pretty openly communicative with her followers. It's actually pretty cool to see where she's just like talking to people a lot. Like I've even like talked to her about some of my like issues with being like a non-binary trans person and you know, she's just like, Oh, I hope things get better for you for that because like she does like a daily like sharing kind of thing with her own thoughts and like encourages her followers to like talk to her to go about their days and stuff right she's a pretty cool open person about that kind of thing and yeah she just draws a lot of really cute lumity cheese and is cute (laughs) well okay thank you for that spotlight yep um do you have anything else or are we bringing it to the close i think i should bring it to close i think it's actually the shortest of the main episode so far Weirdly enough, but I, I feel like it's also partly we're getting more in the swing of things in terms of like keeping the pace going, even yeah, with that little like minute. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I think that's all for me. I guess we should just plug our own Twitters and then get out of here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to catch us on Twitter, I am at patch underscore jacket, where I am slowly collecting the smallest cats in the world just by retweeting them. <laughs> And you can find me at at Quill, that's M-Y-R underscore Quill, where I, again, mostly just kind of retweet cute animals, but also a lot of, like, Owl House cheese. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to see a lot of that stuff, just follow me. I I post it a lot. Also, my world results. Very bummed out from a couple days ago when fucking Proxy killed my 15-word streak. God damn it. Ouch. Who guesses X and Y in the same word? <laughs> uh, funnily enough, I feel like I'm the only person that I actually follow on Twitter or talk to you about Wordle that actually got that one wrong. Everybody else got it within like five or six. I'm like, damn it. That was the only one. I couldn't tell you. I don't really play that game. So. Uh, Shocker. I don't play any games, apparently. You play games. You've talked about games before. I've talked about two games. <laughs> you, you, fair. I mean, but you did, you have played massive games. Like, you've played big open world games, so there is that. I yeah, mean, hey, for the, for the for reference here, I mean, if I ever bring up games in the next couple of weeks, it's mostly just going to be Monster Hunter, and then after that, it's going to be Elden Ring. Yeah, fair. But I'm not surprised by that at all. Nope. But uh, I suppose we will chat about that next time. So for now, just uh, remember... Us weirdos gotta stick together. Bye. Bye.